Hello, Life Church. How are you today? Welcome to Online Church. I'm so glad you're with us again. I pray God is blessing you, strengthening you, and I'm so honored to be able to serve you today with a message today. I have a question for you as I begin my message. My question is this Do you consider yourself to be a winner or a loser? <laughs> well, I hope you just answered a winner. Uh, you are a winner. I'm not calling you a loser. But I don't want to bust your bubble either too much, but you are going to have some losses in life. You're going to be both winning and losing in life. And so that's why I've called my sermon title today, How to Be a Loser. How to Be a Loser. Now, I'm not calling you a loser. I'm just saying you're going to have some losses in life. Your life is going to be full of mountaintop experiences and valleys. You're going to have some victories. You're going to have some defeats. And I want to help us learn how to lose well. And this year has definitely been a year of losses. Uh, there have been so many ways that we have lost. And I, I think about, uh, you know, jobs that have been lost and businesses that have been lost, uh, income that has been lost, uh, wedding venues have been lost, uh, Graduation ceremonies have been lost. Uh, marriages have been lost. There have been moments with your grandparents that you couldn't see them. Those moments have been lost. For some of you, you haven't even been able to come and worship God together. The experience of worshiping together has been lost. There's been a lot of losses. And what I want to do is help us all learn how to get through these losses in life so that we don't go into burnout, so that our soul doesn't stay tired. Think about it like this. Unhealthy winning produces pride. Unhealthy winning. So when someone wins and it gets into their head, gets into their hearts, and pride can develop. On the other side of that, though, unhealthy losing produces a weary, tired, and burned out soul unhealthy losing does that. And so today what I want to do is preach on the topic of how to lose in a healthy way so that those losses do not produce a burned out soul. And so if you'll go with me to the book of First Kings, and we're going to talk today about a man named Elijah. And I want to study him today a little bit for our sermon topic today because he illustrates what a burned out soul can look like. Now, let me give you the backstory. We're in 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to preach out of 1 Kings 19 in just a minute. But in 18, it tells a story, and I think it's, uh, it's needed to be able to catch on what we're going to talk about in chapter 19. So first, here's the backstory. In chapter 18, you read that the Israelites are being um, led by an absolutely awful king and a worse queen, but King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. You've probably heard their names, and they were terrible, and under their leadership, Israel fell into great sin. Uh, the, they began to worship false gods and worship idols, and they were even sacrificing their children to this false god, and so the nation was in disaster because of their leadership. Uh, but there was this one man, this prophet, that stayed um, true to God, and his name was Elijah, and he was a prophet. And so somewhere along this journey with the kings, uh, King Ahab and Jezebel, 
and all these false prophets and them worshiping these false god, gods, he just kind of came to the brink of, of like something's got to change, and he had just had it with them. And so he decided to challenge their false prophets that were perpetuating worshiping a false god. He challenged them to a, a god, uh, you know, challenge of a sorts. And so what he did is he said to these false prophets, he said, let's meet on Mount Carmel, this mountain, invite all the Israelites to come up and watch this. And King Ahab was there. And so he said to these false prophets, he said, uh, we're both going to build an altar. We're going to place a sacrifice on that altar. And then we're both going to pray. And whoever, uh, whoever God comes and burns up the sacrifice, then that will be the, the God that wins. And so, so the false prophets of Baal, they built their, their altar, they put their sacrifice on it, and then they began to pray to their false god about coming in and burning up their sacrifice. And, and so nothing happened, their god didn't show up, and the false prophets, they began to, to cut themselves to try to get their, their god's attention, and nothing was happening. At one point, it's kind of funny in the story, but Elijah begins to taunt them and make fun of these prophets. At one point, he says to them something to the fact like, I think your God is asleep and you need to, you know, scream a little louder. And so he's just harassing them. Nothing ever happens. Finally, Elijah says, it's my turn. He builds his altar, places a sacrifice on it. And then he invites some of the people to pour water on the sacrifice and, and just soak the wood with water just to ensure that there was no trick being, being made here. Then Elijah, he prays, and sure enough, the one true God, he sends fire down. It burns up the, the altar, the sacrifice, and, and it's like, wow, like this moment that, that God, our true God, he wins the challenge. Uh, it's the, the God, you know, challenge of all times, and, and the one true God wins. And when that happens, the Israelites see this, and they realize they've been worshiping the false God. And so they, they prostrate themselves before the one true God, and they begin to worship God. In that moment, though, Elijah, uh, he says to the people, he said, we need to kill all of these, these false prophets, and there are 450 of them. And he said, they've been leading God's people astray, and he said, so kill them. And so sure enough, they destroyed all those false prophets. And, and so it was a moment of, of great victory on the mountaintop for God. And it was a great moment of victory for Elijah as he was kind of celebrating that. But his victory on the mountaintop didn't last long. Uh, what happened was, is he suddenly went into a, a valley experience. And so what happened was, is Ahab went home and he told Jezebel, all that had happened. And when she heard that her false prophets had been slaughtered and they were now dead, it really made her mad. It ticked her off. And so she sent a death threat to, to um, Elijah. And this is what it says in 1 Kings 19. It says that, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that one of them. So she sends this incredibly terrible message to Elijah. It's a death threat from the queen. She's an awful, awful queen. And so Elijah, he, he hears this. He receives this horrible news. And, and he's like any of us. Uh, he he kind of 
felt that on the inside. And that difficult news impacted his soul. And so what happened was, is this man of God, he began to, to process through this in an unhealthy way. He didn't manage this bad news coming his way in a, in a good way. And he became soul tired. He became wearied and, and burned out on the inside. And so this next couple verses is a picture of his meltdown. And this is what it says in 1 Kings 19, 3-5. It says, Elijah, he was afraid and he ran for his life. But when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he by himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And so he is soul tired. Uh, he is running for his life. He's afraid. He's praying that the Lord would take his life. And he's showing so many signs of burnout. And so what I want to do is just take a moment and illustrate to you some signs of burnout. Because you may be in a place of, of a soul-tired soul. Your soul may be tired. You may not know it. And I want to help you just see some signs. And if any of these things are true in your life, then you may be soul-tired. And so just some things from this scripture that we can learn that might help you see whether or not you're soul-tired. And the first thing is, is you need to know that fear creeps into my life. When I'm soul-tired, fear creeps into the, my, my life. The Bible said that Elijah was afraid. And so when we are emotionally drained, we begin to operate out of fear rather than faith. And so he was afraid, and he was, he was afraid rather than operating out of faith. The second thing that happens when we're soul tired, another sign would be that I might find myself running from things. When we run away from things, it's because usually we're having an emotionally empty tank. We don't have the emotional capacity to handle some of the more difficult tasks and more, and more serious matters in life. And so we tend to just run from those things. The Bible said that Elijah, he was running for his life. Let me ask you a question. What are you running from right now? Is there something in your life that you are running from? Is there a decision that you're not making? You just don't feel you have the capacity and you're avoiding some things. Is there something you're avoiding in your life? What event, what person are you avoiding? When people are soul tired, they run from things. Another sign that you might be soul tired is that I start backing out of relationships and I feel isolated. For the most part, many people have felt isolated through the COVID-19 here in 2020. But I want you to notice what it says about Elijah. It says that he left his servant in the town of Beersheba and he went by himself into the desert. He isolated himself. This was a guy that had been with him for a very long time and now he's just walking away from that relationship. And many times when we're hurting on the inside, we start to withdraw from important relationships and we, we just pull away from those places. And so I just want you to think about, have you been pulling away from relationships in your life? If you are, that might be a sign that you are so tired if you feel isolated. Another sign that you might be so tired is that I make foolish decisions impulsively. 
The Bible says that Elijah, he walked a full day into the desert. Well, I don't know how smart that is. He didn't take any food or water with him. He had no plan. He was just walking into the desert, and he was just headed in the wrong direction. Um, this is a sign that you're on the edge of, of burnout when you're making impulsive, foolish decisions in your life. I want to encourage you to never make an important decision in your life when your soul is tired. That's not a good time to make important decisions, but also don't make impulsive bad decisions. Another sign that you might be soul tired is that I feel physically exhausted on the inside, but also on the outside. Many times what's happening inside of us results in physical exhaustion in our bodies. The Bible said that Elijah, that he collapsed under a shade of a broom tree and so oftentimes that emotional burnout, it just causes us to lose energy for the important things in life. We just, we just don't want to give ourselves to those important things. And we find ourselves just escaping to Netflix and just escaping in life rather than dealing with the important things. And we just feel physically exhausted. If that's you, you may be dealing with emotional burnout. Another sign would be that I complain that I want to quit and give up. I don't know about you, but that has crossed my mind a few times through some of the, the hardships that we've had through the last year that I would complain that I want to quit or give up in some way. Uh, listen, it said here that Elijah, that he, he said, you know, in a prayer, he said, God, he said, I've had enough. Uh, I don't know if you've said that in this year, you know, like I've just had enough, Lord, and I'm just through well, I think that um, many times when we've reached the, the end of our rope or we've just kind of had it up to here with the problems in life, we tend to, to kind of move into a place where we just can't see a brighter future. We just can't, we just don't think that we're going to reach goals and they just become less important in our life and we just want to give up. When you're emotionally weary, we tend to lose vision and we tend to forget about our goals and we, we stop caring about the, the callings on our life. And so oftentimes when we are soul tired, we want to just give up in some way, especially on the things of our future and our goals. And the last thing here, just to uh, bring us to a little serious note that I, I think it's important to, to, to touch on today because Elijah said something that's like, so um, serious, but you may be so tired if you think death might bring relief. You might be so tired if you think death might bring relief. Notice Elijah said, he said, take my life, Lord. He's like, just let me die. Listen, friends, maybe you have felt that way. Maybe there has been a moment that has crossed your mind that you might think that taking your life would be a way out. And I'm just saying, stop. Don't, don't, don't allow that to cross your mind. Taking your life is a permanent solution to a temporary pain in your life. It's a, it's a temporary feeling of despair. Taking your life is a permanent decision. And I just want to say to you that people care about you. That, that, that we care about you, we love you. And please don't entertain those thoughts. Don't make a decision in the middle of depression. Get help because we care about you, we love you. And so 
Those are seven signs that you may be having some sort of emotional burnout, soul tired in your life, seven ways. And so probably if you're like me, you could identify to some of that. And so uh, let me just take us on to the, st- the rest of the story because the story doesn't end here with Elijah being depressed and wanting to take his life. There is a, a better end to this story. And so let me take us to that in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 5 through 7. As the story continues, it says that Elijah, that he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate it, drank, and then he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. And so, hey church, I want you to notice this one thing about this story. That when Elijah stopped to rest, when he stopped to rest, when he parked himself, the presence of the Lord came and strengthened him. When he paused, when he stopped from running, when he finally slowed down his life, it gave opportunity for the presence of the Lord to come and minister to his soul. It's in the pausing, it's in that time of of rest that the Holy Spirit was able to come and minister to his soul. I wonder if this story would have been different if Elijah had stopped to rest and allowed the Holy Spirit to come minister to him and to strengthen him, what if he had stopped to rest before he ran into the desert? Do you think his story would have been any different? I'm sure it would have been. And that's where I really, church, I want us to learn today. This is the kind of the point that I want to bring to us today, that every loss and and every setback and every heartache and every negative event that comes into our life needs a moment or a season to process it in our life. We need a moment to grieve every heartache that comes. We need a season. We need a process. We need to heal because the Lord, he wants to comfort you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to refresh your life. But we have to give him that opportunity to do that. So often I think we just run by all of those moments that we need to stop and allow God to minister to our souls. The Bible says in Psalms 30, 11, I love this verse. It says, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. He says, you have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. And this is what God can do. If you give him that opportunity, if you will take those moments in your life that are painful and you allow God to come into it, he will minister and he will turn that place of sorrow into a place of joy. He will heal you. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to refresh your soul. God can make you happy again. You can be lighthearted again. That's what God wants for you. But I want you to notice this, that in that verse, It says, you have turned my morning into joyful dancing. Turned. Say the word turned, turned. This isn't meant to be like a a light switch that turns on and then suddenly the light is in the room and everything is better. Now that's that's not what this turning is about. This turning is more like a a freight uh, ship 
you know, like one that comes up in, at the port with all of those freights on it, you know, big giant ship. And it, those ships don't turn fast. There's a, a slow turn. It's a process. It's a deliberate turn that happens. It's steady, but it continues to turn. That's the turning this is because you need to know that when you are going through a process of, of grieving and a process of allowing the Holy Spirit to heal you, it rarely is in an instant. It's rarely a miraculous moment. It's not like the switch gets turned on. It's a place for us to process and allow the Holy Spirit Spirit to come and minister to us. And so what I want to do is, is illustrate this to you. So I'm going to do something kind of, uh, you know, funny to me, but I'm going to draw a couple pictures for you. And so uh, those that know me know that I am terrible with, you know, Pictionary. If you're any Pictionary fans, you know that, that you don't want me on your team. But I'm going to draw a couple pictures, and I want to illustrate to you because I want you to see this process of turning and how important that is that we pause at each one of the places that we have a negative event in our life, and we and we we process this out. Now, let me show you something. Here is, here is one way we can view life. So this would be point A, and that would be point B. Now, this is, a, um, this is the way I like to think about life, where everything is always getting better. It's just a straight line between A and B, and it's just it's a wonderful life. If you're an optimist like me, this is, this is how you see life. Now, it's not realistic because life is never just straight and it's never always getting better and it's not always going from left to right up and like, that's, that's not a realistic view of life. But if you ever ask me how I'm doing, say, you know, Pastor Tim, how are you doing? I can just draw you that picture because that's my view of life. It's not realistic though. Um, so here's another view of life. And this is, this is probably one that you'll relate to. So life is more like this. And so then there's coronavirus, and then there's this. And so, so this is more like life. It is full of ups and downs. It's full of mountaintops and valleys. It's full of wins and losses. It's, it's you know, back in February uh, of 2020, you know, we were like, hey, life is good. And then, and then you know, coronavirus hits and all that happens. And so low points. And, and so what this is, though, is this is like, an emotional roller coaster of life. Like if you were to go to a theme park and ride a roller coaster, that's how they build them with high, you know, tops and, and low valleys because it is just, you know, it's a thrill. But when you live like this, your emotions are bouncing from up to down, up to down, up to down. And this is a recipe for an emotional burnout because there's, there's no place to, to process that out. It's just up and down, up and down, up and down. And this is how most people live. They just go from one event to the next event and there's no time to process. Let me show you a much better, healthy way to handle life. This is a better view. So watch this. It should be like this. Now, what is this? It's, that is the line. This is point A and this is Point B, this is life. You should be going along and then some sort of an event, it happens in your life. We're gonna lose in life. There's gonna be some things that happen from time to time. And so when that event happens, what we do is, is we do as Elijah did where he finally rested under the tree. And so he processed, he allowed the Holy Spirit, he allowed God 
to begin to heal him. So what happens is, is you enter into a process and you start out with pain, but you leave with joy. Now, I know that's the worst handwriting ever, but you get the point. But there is a process that we need to go through because what God wants to do is he wants you to encounter, when you encounter these negative things, like he wants you to, to go into a healing process. He wants to restore you. He wants to move you through that pain and bring joy back into your life so that you move forward. Our life, we should be going from, from healing to healing, from restoration to restoration, from grace to grace in our life, if we will allow God to heal us. And so there's this circle. You might call that the circle of healing. Uh, I would call it a rhythm. This is a rhythm. This is a rhythm of rest. If you want to have a healthy soul, then you need to have this rhythm. So something happens, you process it. Something happens, you process it, and you work through this. That way you never go to empty, and you are able to, to process these, and you get back on track. And that's what I want for all of us, that we would learn to process through these hard places in life. And so let me say to you that when Elijah rested, now we talk about resting. I want you to know that resting isn't inactivity. Resting isn't, um, you know, sitting in your, your pajamas all day and watching Netflix. That's not resting. Resting, when we, when we rest, we rest in the Lord. It's a process of healing and getting better. And so we want to rest in the Lord. We want it to be a deliberate process. We want there to be a rhythm of our life to where when we encounter these hard places, we allow the Holy Spirit to restore us. We want to get better. So what goes into the restoration process? What does this look like? Let's, I'm going to erase that because it looks so bad. What goes into that restoration process? Let's, let's do one big circle for a second. So it's there and there. What is this restoration process? And honestly, it's going to be different for every person. Uh, it's going to be different for, you know, depending on how severe the, the heartache is in your life. And so some of the ways of processing won't take as long. Uh, some will take longer to get through the process. And so, but what you need to know is that you need to go into a process on every one of the events that come into your life. But what can go into that circle? Um, what, what is this circle? It's a holy process. It's a holy moment of, of processing through your pain. And so let me just maybe say it like this. And, and maybe there's some dots on the line. There's, you know, of a process of, of getting better. So this is the event that happened. And so what are those steps? What are the things that you might put into your process so that you get better, so that you come out with joy? And one, I would say, you need to recognize and identify what has happened in your life. So you just need to, you need to, because if you don't know what it is, then you, you can't heal from it very well. And so you need to, you know, what happened to me? What is causing this pain in my life? And so that's your first thing you do is you identify it. The second thing I would say is that you need a, a time where you grieve and you mourn and you feel the pain and you weep. Uh, it's, it's important to, to process through grief. 
I think grieving is a healthy way to deal with the negative things in our life. And so don't skip the grieving process. Uh, Recognize that your heart hurts. If someone said something to you and it hurt you, then it's okay to feel that for just a season. That's part of the healing process is to feel it. We have to feel the pain. The third thing I would say to you as a process of healing is you need to determine what your next step is. What's next for you? Depending on the, the event that's in your life, your next step might be to see a counselor. Maybe you need to think, and what is it next for me? Maybe your next step is to forgive someone. Maybe your next step is to talk to a Christian friend. And, and let me just park there for a second. Uh, talk to a Christian friend. A Christian friend. Like, don't talk to every person you know about your pain. Uh, don't vent on Facebook. Please stop putting on there, you know, this is all my pain, this is all my pain, and hope that everybody on Facebook will fix you. Listen, don't go to Facebook when you should be going to God or a friend that's a Christian that can really stand with you and pray for you, encourage you. So talk to a Christian friend. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe you need to pause in this next step of just uh, pausing in your life from those influences that are, that are wounding your soul. So one, recognize, identify what's happened. Two, grieve. Three, determine the next steps. And four, strengthen yourself in the Lord. When Elijah was at that tree, it said that the Holy Spirit or the presence of God as an angel came and ministered to him. And so what you want to do is give opportunity for God to minister to you. And so you need to pray about what happened. You need to journal about it. You need to get in God's word. You need to find verses that comfort your soul through this. You need to worship God about it. Like worship him knowing this is what you're worshiping. You're saying, God, Lord, this thing is hurting me, but I choose to worship you anyway. And then last on the list in the process, I believe you need to receive his comfort and begin to return to joy. You have to receive his comfort. Listen, you don't want to get stuck in a cycle here forever. You should come to a place where you are receiving joy and moving forward. And so you want to receive his his healing in your life. And so, man, that's an awesome way for us to stay healthy, for our soul to stay healthy. But let me show you something what most people do. This is what most people do. And just back to the circle, here's what most people do. Instead of going through a process and bringing God God into the process, most people, they choose to go into escape. And I know you can't read that, but trust me, it's there. They fill that circle with something of an escape. Instead of, instead of um, facing their pain, they escape from their pain. Let me show you a verse in Proverbs chapter 14, 13. It says, laughter can conceal a heavy heart. But when the laughter ends... The grief remains. When the escape is over, grief is still there. Like some people just try to escape. We all, who doesn't want to escape at times? When you escape, it's, it's just a, it's a way of just trying to get away from what's happened. Listen, you could put anything in place of the word laughter there. Uh, any of the things that we do to try to escape. Like you could say it like this, when, <laughs> when the shopping ends, the grief remains. I would probably say it like this for my life. When the chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream ends, the grief is still there. 
the grief remains. Like escaping doesn't solve it. When we binge on Netflix, the grief remains. We're just escaping. We're not healing. When the social media scrolling ends, the grief remains. When the alcohol ends, the grief remains. And the reason we choose to escape is because we want that immediate relief. Don't we all? We want an immediate relief. But you need to know that when we escape, we get immediate relief, but we remain with grief for a long period of time. But church, when we bring the Holy Spirit in, when we process, when we allow him to turn our life, when we take the turning process, then God can turn our sorrow, our grief into joy. And that's what it says in John 16, 20. He says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn. Everybody say, will turn. It's a promise from God that he will turn your grieving into joy. But it's not because you watched Netflix and you ate ice cream and you ignored it. It's because you went into a process, you rested. Resting is, is the process of allowing God to heal your life. If you'll do that, he'll turn it into joy in your life and you can be joyful again. You can be lighthearted again and you will live through all of the different things in your life, the pains that come, you'll process them, get healthy, and move on. Process healthy, move on, and you'll live from joy to joy. That's what God wants for you. Church, I love you. It's important that we learn to process. My last thought for this series and for my sermon today, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down, but this is so critical to the whole series. And I want you to know that God deeply cares for your soul. He cares for your soul. Jesus knows your pain and he cares deeply about your losses. He cares for your soul. In the book of Isaiah, it describes Jesus like this. In Isaiah 53.3, it says, He was despised and rejected. Now this is Jesus. He was despised and rejected. It said he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. In other words, he knew grief. Jesus knows your grief. Not because he heard about it, but because he knows grief. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. He actually feels your pain. Whatever you're feeling, he can feel it. He can, he can identify to you. He cares about you. And he wants to restore your soul. I want you to know you're not alone. Man, the Holy Spirit is with you. God is with you. And he cares for you. And he wants to heal your soul if you'll let him. I want you to know you're not a bad Christian if you feel like your soul tired. That doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. That just means the world has been pounding on you. But there's hope for you. There's, there's a way out through that. There's a way to live in joy in the hard situations. There's a way to be restored. And it's through a process of, of God turning our life from sorrow to joy. But it's a process. Jesus carries our burdens for us. How does he do this? How does he heal us? In Isaiah 53, 4, continuing on this verse, it says, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Where did Jesus carry our grief? Where did he carry our grief? 
He carried our grief to the cross. If you want to know how much Jesus cares for you, then just look at his outstretched arms on the cross. He carried. It says that our sorrows, our grief, it was waiting on him. It was weight on him. In other words, it was on his shoulders. And when he went to the cross, he carried your burdens and your pains. He carried your losses. He carried all of that to the cross. If you, if you need a reminder, think about the, the nails that, that put him on the cross. Remember his precious blood that was shed for you. He gave his life for you. And not just for your salvation, which is glorious, no doubt about it. But he also died for our soul. He died so that you could give him your pain and he would carry it. And he would turn your pain into a place of joy, a place of refreshing. That's what he does. So I want you to know, church, he cares about every loss you have in life. And he takes your losses, he takes your burdens, and he takes your pains, and he restores you. He takes them upon himself, and he restores you back to joy. If you'll just give him that opportunity, instead of escaping in life, will you just pause? Will you be Elijah, where he finally settled under the tree, and the Holy Spirit came and ministered to him. God wants to do that for you. Will it be instantly? Probably not. But if you'll enter into that process, I promise you, he will turn your grief into joy. Church, I want to finish today with a moment to respond to God. Just a moment to respond to what God is maybe speaking to you while I've been speaking to you. Maybe you're here and you're, you're listening and you are soul tired. Would you just take this moment as a response to this and make a commitment that you will go through a process, that you will, you will identify what's going on in your life and what's hurting you and, and you will weep it and you'll grieve for it and you'll figure out what next step is and then you'll, then you'll begin to invite God into your life and you'll worship and then would you just receive his healing? It's a process, but I'm asking you to make a commitment to go into that process. Don't just walk away from this series and go, well, it didn't work for me. Uh, listen, God always works. Every time you do it the Bible way, you do it God's way, it always works. But you need to do your part. So would you make that commitment today to go into that process and let your soul rest so God can heal it. Also today, maybe you're listening and you need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening and you need to reaffirm your commitment to Jesus today. And so I want to just lead us in a prayer together and this will be a moment for you to respond and say, I wanna be, be a, a person that lives for God. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want all the weights of, of all the, the hardships of 2020. I wanna give it. To, to the Lord. And this is your moment. And so would you all just bow your heads and, and let's just respond to the Lord for this moment. Dear God, I thank you that you care for us. It's amazing what, what you do for us in our life and you carry our grief and our sorrow to the cross, God. And we get to just lay that at your feet, Lord. 
God, I, I ask that those who are committed to the restoration process, God, that you would, you would strengthen them as they do that. And God, would you turn all these places of pain in people's life into joy? Thank you, Lord. Now, for you that want to begin a relationship with the Lord, on the screen, I want you to pray this with me out loud. Lord, I want to begin a relationship with you or recommit my life to you. I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I ask that you will forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, and now fill me with your Holy Spirit. I commit to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Thanks for tuning in. I pray that through this series that you've learned to rest, pause, restore. Restoration is coming to you. I love you, church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. God bless.